All right, let's get on with this uh, teaching. Going to be very interesting teaching. Um, got my cup here. Missionary Enterprises, Missionary Aid International. Beautiful cup with my prune juice on my fast. Got nine more days to go. I can feel it. But that's the whole point. So, Missionary Enterprise, Missionary Aid International. Privilege here in association with New Journey Ministries International. I really like this name. And a uh, young guy from uh, Bugiri, Uganda, Africa. So, uh, really excited about this. And uh, the topic is, I didn't choose the topic, he did. Uh, the love of God or the God kind of love. And my introduction here is basically, this is actually my very first online teaching that we did. This is now we're doing a recording in the green screen room. Uh, online teaching into the great nation of Uganda. First one. First of many, I believe. Anyhow, we'll see. I've done many for Kenya, Congo, um, uh, Nigeria, including uh, some continents in Asia, specifically Pakistan in, and India. But first one in Uganda. Got a lot of contacts in Uganda. Anyhow, let's get on with this. It's a long one. And um, uh, regarding love, all right, it's a, it's a hot, to it's a hot topic uh, in the church as well as in the world. Um, anyhow, love is the only one of the many, is one, only one of the many of God's attributes when it comes to God. Love is an attribute. Uh, the word attribute carries the idea of a quality, characteristic, a feature, trait, aspect, hallmark, ascribed to someone or something. Uh, in other words, an attribute is a quality uh, that describes or is descriptive of someone or something. And in this case, we're talking about God, God, the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, the creator of mankind. Or even better, the Godhead. Uh, God has many other attributes, such as, as He's infinite, He's self-existing, omniscient, omnipotent, immutable, impeccable, and so many others, just to name a few. All right? So today we'll be looking at what the New Testament has to say, uh, or has to teach us about this word love in context with God. And this word love is from, the, the one we're looking at today is from the Greek word agape, uh, which is primary definition being unconditional, unconditional love or love without conditions. All right, we're going to unpack that today. Pretty good. We also have two other words such as eros regarding erotic love and philos, uh, which denotes brotherly love. That's where you get the word, uh, the name Philadelphia for the city. I can't remember what state it's in, in America. Uh-oh. But anyhow, brotherly love. So I don't know how much they're really living up to that. But anyhow, let's move on here. God loves us without conditions. He really does. Or his love for or towards us has no conditions, meaning he loves us whether uh, we are good or not so good or great down evil. He still loves us. Um, or whether we love him back or don't love him back. He still loves us because he's love. Yet all of this has to be taught in context of, oh no, the dreaded word consequences. My goodness, consequences, consequences, regarding the law of sowing and reaping. I'll tell you, if anybody who teaches on the law of sowing and reaping, it's moi, all right? 
and meaning there are consequences for those who don't love God or don't love him back. And clearly seen back in Genesis and back in Genesis, the Garden of Eden, but even back in heaven uh, with Lucifer. So God loves us because he is our creator. All right, let's just bottom line, that's it, he's, because he's a creator, meaning create us as well as having created us in his own image and his own likeness. That's how much he loved us, all right? God could have just created us, but no, he created us in his image. God loves his creation, but as we know very well, his creation did not love him back, all right? And it just reminds me of, you know, a creator, an inventor, the things they, they go through, you know, creating. You know, creating smartphones, creating pens, creating whatever, cups, creating the bottle for the juice. Somebody actually had to invent that, believe it or not. Somebody had to actually come up with that style. You know, they're always coming up with new styles of bottles to bottle things and cups and pens. There's all kinds of pens out there. There's not just one kind of, this is a Bombardier pen. But th and that's the style, but they have other styles for Bombardier and on top of all the other pens in the world. Somebody created that. Somebody invented that, all right? They put a lot of work into it. One of the very first instructions or admon admonitions we are given in the Old Testament and New Testament alike regarding us loving God back, uh, just changing a little bit here, uh, with our whole being is found in Deuteronomy 6.5, but let's, it's also reiterated in Matthew, in the New Testament, Matthew 22, 37. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and another place it says with all your strength, all right, with your whole being. No kidding, because God loves us with all our being, his, his whole being. We will take a close look at this love of God in context with our redemption, our salvation, because God's love is redemptive, it's salvific, all right? Among many other things, God saving, redeeming us is based and founded upon his love for us or God first loving us even when we were not so lovable uh, regarding the fall of man. In other words, if it was not for God's love or for God loving us as much as he does, there would be no such thing as a plan or his plan of salvation, his plan of redemption, his plan of justification, reconciliation, substitution, propitiation. There would be, there would, it would not even exist. He would have said, the hell with all of you, you know, but that's not what he said. No, that's not what he thought. Thank God. I'll tell you, a lot of people don't realize these things. All of this just goes to prove just how much God's love for lost mankind is or how intense he loves us really, his love for us really is in the context of us not loving him back as we should have, all right? Because what Adam and did, Adam and Eve did back in the garden was not very loving, uh, but very unloving towards God, their creator, their provider. Very, extremely unloving. Wow. Everything God did for mankind, everything God gave mankind, gave him the dominion, uh, gave him all the trees to eat from, the animals to name. Um, the gold, the, the precious stone, the tree of life, you know, we could have eaten from the tree of life as much as we wanted, you know, and what did we do? Mm, we did the opposite. Not good. All right. God wants us back. God wants his creation back because we once belonged to him. 
See, we once belonged to him. And he also wants us back because he knows exactly what awaits us all if we don't come back to him. He knows things that a lot of people don't know. But the church needs to know. And that's part of the Great Commission. And he has made a way back to him with this new Adam, this new birth, this new creation. All right? Which I've already taught on in other teachings, but not on this one. I won't get into that this time. But if some of us don't want him back, he will still love us, yet there will be repercussions. Wow, repercussions, big word, which he warns us about time and time again in his word. The consequences, repercussions, ramifications. There's all kinds of ramifications in all of this, okay? God allows what we allow, meaning he is not a sovereign as many say or think he is. God is not in control and he cannot do whatever he wants to do. Mm, all right? Uh, because he's made us free moral agents with a free will, allowing us to do and choose whatever we want to do and choose, even if it goes directly, directly against his will for us. That's exactly what happened in the garden. All right? We are free to love or not love him. We are free to, to believe him or not believe him. We are free to receive his love or reject it. Yet there are consequences, like in everything else, in this life, even in the natural, there's consequences. You know, a married couple, you know, some if one of them doesn't love back, if it's not reciprocal, you know what, you're going to have some problems. <laughs> you're going to have problems. You know, eventually you're going to have a cold shoulder treatment. You're going to have a separation. You're going to have adultery. You're going to have a divorce, whatever, you know. Yeah, there's repercussions. God will never force anyone to love him. And he has proven this fact with Lucifer back in heaven. Mm-hmm. That's where it started, and with Adam back in the garden, all right? Uh, God is not a dictator or tyrant. Uh, God allows us to reject him, yet with consequences, and most people don't like this idea, but this is a universal law. Is it not? Yes, it is. It's everywhere. I shared on the live stream that, you know, even when I work construction, I worked for 23 years, you know, and I'll tell you, I mean, I never got fired. I never did. I got let go once, but it was wrong. I shouldn't have. But um, if I would have not done my job right, uh, I probably would have got maybe at least one warning, maybe two tops, but one anyhow. And if not, I'm out. You know, you snooze, you lose, man. And uh, that's just the way it works. And it is with God, too, in many ways. You know, you got to read the whole word, the whole counsel of God and not build a doctrine around just God is love. Well, God is a lot of things. Most people would want to be in heaven when they die, apart from being born again before they die. Impossible. God allowed and gave us full freedom for Lucifer as well as for Adam to do what they wanted or choose to do or not do or choose, yet with severe consequences. Yet, having told them beforehand what to do and not to do, especially when it comes to Adam, yet Lucifer should have known better, I'm sure of it. You know what? God told Adam, you know, you can eat all these trees, you know, you can eat the tree of life all you want, but just don't eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because when you do, if you do, if you do, not when, if you do, you'll die spiritually. Well, what did Adam do? He didn't believe God, right? He walked by sight, right? And I teach a lot on that. So God does not will never force himself upon anyone, never. Yet he is always there to help us in these situations. He really is. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit, even towards the believers, uh, the unbelievers. When you reject the love of God, God and his love for you, you end up rejecting his plan of salvation. Ooh. Hell is full of people whom God loved, yet did, did not love him 
back. That's just the reality of it all, folks. So let's start here looking. I'm going to have a drink here because I'm a little dry. Let's start looking at some key verses regarding this whole love stuff, all right? This whole doctrine of the love of God. Let's start with John 3.16. you got to start with John 3.16, all right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So it says that God so loved the world, so loved the world, not just loved the world. That would have been great enough, but he so loved the world. And then it goes on to tell us how he so loved the world or loved us, the world of sinners, the world of pagans, heathens, the world of the first Adam, the world that has rejected him. How? Mm. He gave or sacrificed his only begun, begotten or born son. All right. His firstborn from the dead. All right. God did not just say that he loved us, but proved that, that he loved us. It's called sacrificial love. All right. Let's move on to Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, if he hadn't done that while we're still sinners, uh, there would be no saints today, all right? So this verse is very synonymous with the one we just read and what I had said about it in John 3, 16. I love the word demonstrate here, especially in light of hearing people say that God never did anything for me or uh, God, you know, yeah, God never did anything for them or God does not love them. Excuse me, right, rubbish, rubbish, hogwash, all right? People that say this don't know God nor the Bible, all right? And I even heard Christians saying this, all right? The whole Bible is one big love letter towards lost mankind, especially with the New Testament. This is agape love at its best. It really is. Ephesians 2, 4, but God, being rich in mercy, wow, rich in gold, but rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us. Once again, we have great love and not just love. John 3, 16 had so loved, all right? All of this intensifying the love that God has and had for us. Also, we have this love in context with his mercy got the word mercy in there, which is another one of his attributes. God is merciful, right? All merciful. And here it says that God is not just merciful, but he is rich. Yeah, God is rich. And because of his rich, because of his wealth, I'm wealthy too. But I should be wealthy in mercy too towards others, right? And there is a place for that. We have to, you know. Note, God is a loving God as well as a merciful God. God showed us great mercy, great, great, great mercy back in the garden by saying, I'm not going to let them go to hell, but I will give them another, a new, a last, a second Adam, a second chance by giving them a new second and last Adam via the incarnation. All right. That's the whole, that, I mean, most people don't even realize that's what Christmas is all about. I just did a teaching on that in one of my live streams two days before Christmas, and it was good. You know, God's love towards the lost race of the first Adam is beyond great. It's just beyond. It's massive, all right? Ephesians 3.19, And to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. The world is full of all kinds of knowledge. Have you ever noticed that? Wow, and so is the church. I'll tell you, man, you can't run out of knowledge. Whew! 
I mean, they're coming up with stuff all the time. It's called fake news, you know, and false knowledge, which is why we've got all kinds of books, libraries, schools, universities, colleges, um, seminars, uh, conferences, uh, learning centers. It just, it just, it's just nonstop. I mean, it's just, it's everywhere. We're surrounded by this stuff, including the media, the internet. Wow. I mean, you know, knowledge city or what? All right. Yet to have the knowledge of the love of Christ surpasses all of this, which is key to being filled up with all the fullness of God. It really is. This is referring to the love of Christ. Yet we know that this love of Christ is based upon the love of God. That's right, uh, since it is God who sent his son to save us to begin with. All right, all right, let's change the page here. There's no lack of knowledge, all right, in this world, but there sure is a great lack of knowledge when it comes to this love of Christ. And this is the church's fault and not God's fault. That's what the Great Commission was all about. The internet is full of all kinds of knowledge, but we have, but we need is, what we need is saving knowledge or knowledge that will save you all right most if not all knowledge out there in the world and even a lot of the church uh, will distance you from god and his love his plan of salvation for you you know the plan of salvation is not just for the heathen the plan of salvation there's so much to sal the plan of sozo once you are born again there's so much to learn to, so that you can walk in it, you know, because this is all part of walking in your sonship, right? That's what he saved us for, right? He saved us to get us, that's what he told me one time. He says, I conferred my, uh, my sonship back onto the human race. Yeah, he did, all right? Because positionally, everybody's born again. Uh, positionally, everybody's saved. That's right. Positionally, positionally only, all right? Most of the knowledge will distract you from God and his knowledge or from knowing him, all right? Worldly knowledge News, worldly news distracts people from the gospel, from the good news. The world of the first Adam is a place where people say, I don't care about God. I don't even believe in God. All right. Yet God says, I love you and I want to save you. Wow. You know, Ephesians 5, 2, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you. Mm -hmm. and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Mm. We just talked about the love of Christ in Ephesians 3.19, and here we are commanded to walk in love, especially towards the brethren, but also towards the heathen, right? Since Jesus gave himself up for us as an offering to God while we we're yet sinners, Romans 5.8, we just looked at that. In other words, I have no right to hate anyone, including those who have done wrong towards me, whether they were a sinner or a saint. I have no right to hate them because God doesn't hate them. Yet, this does not mean I have to let them repeat the same offense, becoming a doormat, all right? And most of the time, God was trying to warn us to stay away from certain people or situations to avoid hardships, but we were not listening. You know what, I'll tell you, if this is, I believe, it's all going to show up in the great white, in the judgment seat of Christ. How God over and over and over tried to warn a lot of Christians to stay away from certain places. Don't go there. Don't, I never call it, I never ask you to go preach there. Just, you can pray for that, that you can pray for them, intercede, 
you know, I want to send my angels in there before you go in there. I want to send my spirit in there before you go in there. But no, we just go in there. The Bible said, go into all the world. So we just go. No, no, it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. All right. So if anyone had the right to hate somebody, it would have been God himself towards us. All right. And this is what this whole agape love is all about. God loving the sinner, yet the sinner basically hating God. You know what God, Adam did? Basically, he hated God. He really did. What he did? He, ba he blatantly disobeyed God. He blatantly didn't believe God. Blatantly. I mean, right in his face. You know, wow. And we're all there. So, 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. All right. Walking in love, Ephesians 5 2, we already looked at that. Let equals let us love one another. Is based upon this kind of love which is from God Himself and not from man. Hating anyone for any reason does or should not exist in the life of those who are born of God because it does not exist in God Himself. I have no right in hating anyone, yet I do have the right to distance myself mm -mm, and from them to the point of never seeing that person ever again. Removing yourself. Removing yourself from that whole situation and don't go back in there. Wow. All right. There are many things that God hates. That's for sure. That's a no-brainer. All right. God hates a lot of things, even in the church. All right. Yet he still loves those who are doing those hateful things because God's unconditional love for them is redemptive. It's salvific. All right. In other words, God will do all he can to get someone saved right till the very moment that person enters hell. All right. Once they are in hell, it's game over for them as well as for God. God can't do nothing. It's out of his control. It's out of his hands. Uh, we have the right, the God-given right to tell someone, you stole from me, you did this to me, etc., etc., etc. You hurt me physically, emotionally, whatever. Therefore, I forgive you. I'm still, I still love you. But, like my mom said, there's always a but. You will never do that to me again, and hopefully, you'll never do that to anybody else. All right. If we're not careful, this whole love with this whole love theme in the word can be abused with people taking advantage of it with the wrong motives, such as a Christian married couple in that context, all right, where the husband abuses his wife because he knows the word tells the wives to love their husband. You got to love me no matter what the Bible says. No, 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 that's not what it says. You just read Ephesians 5.33, read all of Ephesians 5, loving your wife as Christ loved the church. Right, okay, so 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 Christ is beating up his wife, he's verbally abusing his, his, his bride, the church. Yeah, right, all right, so got to be careful with that. This whole concept of love is from God and not from man, yet man has perverted it, like everything else he's done with everything that came from God, that originally came from God, and this includes Christians. Oh my goodness, Christians are, sometimes they're the worst for perverting what God has said, uh, as well as perverting the word of truth into the word of lies, half-truths in many instances. Even when it comes to Christian men, many don't know how to love their wives but lust after them. I would say, I don't know what the percentage, God knows, most men lust after their wives. They don't love them. They lust after them, all right? 1 John 4, 9, By this the love of God was manifested or demonstrated in us that God had sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live 
through him. Very interesting here. This is John 3.16 all over again, as well as Romans 5.8, which has the word demonstrated. Here we have the word manifested. Because both carry the idea of proved. God proved, all right? God doesn't just tell us that he loves us, but proves, shows us, unlike most, most us human beings. And this verse also tells us that it is not good enough to be born again, but that we might live our lives through his life by the indwelling spirit. That's what I, I teach a lot on this. And one of the references, Colossians 3, 3 and 4. All right, where Christ, it says, Christ my life. In this, oh, 1 John 4, 10, sorry. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. All right? All right. This is John 3.16 all over again. I'll tell you, you know, and just worded differently, yet said in a different way. God loved us way before any of us ever loved him back. And even those of us who do love him back, once they are born of him, our love towards him is just a fraction. I'll tell you, it's teeny weeny, like a grain of salt or even maybe a mustard seed. I'll tell you, man. It's, I mean, Robert's, anyhow. A fraction compared to his love towards us. In other words, we will never be able to love God in the very same capacity that he loved us. All right. And Dave Roberson had a revelation. Uh, I think it happened once or twice. I don't know. God just gave him a snapshot, gave him a revelation of his love for mankind, and it, it broke him. It, it, you know, this is what I, this is what I'm, this is what I want. I want to get. And I'm going there. I am going there. I don't care. I don't care what it takes me. I don't care how much fast I got fasting I gotta do, how much praying in tongues, how much this the Bible. I don't have my Bible with me, but how much revelation I need to get from the word. I want revelation uh from the word of God. All right. I gotta walk in this. It's been made available. The indwelling spirit, the revealer, the great revealer lives on the inside of me. All right. All right. This verse carries the very the very important. Uh, this verse carries the very important as well as very interesting word propitiation. All right, very interesting here, uh, which I don't want to get into at this time, yet I do need to say that it is very fitting in the context of God, God's redemptive love for mankind. Even most of the church has a very little understanding or a very limited understanding of this word propitiation. All right, but it all fits in with what I said early on regarding God's plan of salvation. God's plan of redemption, justification, reconciliation, substitution. There's just so much, all right? All of these key words are basically synonymous. In many ways, once you've taken the time to unpack them, one at a time, one at a time. 1 John 4.20, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Uh-oh. For the one who loves, who does not love his brother whom he has seen, hmm, cannot love God whom he has not seen. This is one of the very first verses I believe the Lord gave me while watching some TV program. This is years ago. I believe it was Jean Vanier was on TV and he had quoted that verse and I just got saved. I just moved back from Quebec. So I've been saved maybe not even a year, maybe like six months. I don't know. 
It's a humdinger of a verse. I'm the first one to admit it. Yet I do need to repeat myself once again in saying that we have the God-given right to distance ourselves or even completely removing ourselves all right, from people that would want to harm us or do harm to us in any way, shape, or form. You have every right to do that. So, let's finish off this teaching with a portion of what is called by many the great love chapter. All right, that, that chapter never meant nothing to me until I think when I started going to see Bob and Peter in 2008. And uh, it, just, it, it just came alive to me. It really did because it's all part of the whole counsel of God. You know, faith worketh by love, all these different things like that. Uh, I knew I needed to walk in more love towards my own father, which I really, basically, I butchered, um, you know, and uh, towards other people too, but especially your own family, you know, mm, not good. Anyhow, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7, all right? So let's look at 4. Uh, love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. Love is not boastful or vainglorious. Love does not display itself haughtily. 5. I love 5, especially the Amplified. It's loaded. It's loaded. Uh, love is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. Love is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love uh, does not insist on its own rights uh, or its own way until it comes against the devil, though. you got to insist on your own rights and privileges in Christ. Uh, for love is not self-seeking. Love is not touchy or fretful or resentful. Love takes no account of an evil done to it. Wow. Love pays no attention to a suffered wrong. The latter part of this verse is all about the walk of faith. You'll never walk in this until you learn how to walk by faith. You've got to get these verses on the inside of you. You know, God didn't hold nothing against us when we did what we did back in the garden. He didn't hold it against us. He said, I'm going to, I, I got, I, well, a lot of people don't believe in this, but God, plan B. Yeah, the new creation. God never intended for a new creation. He wanted the original creation. But man, so it forced God's hand to, you know, bring in the new creation into existence. Number six, verse six and seven. Love does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears seven. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it love love endures everything without weakening. And the latter part of this verse is also all about the walk of faith. You cannot walk by sight if you're going to walk in this. It's impossible, all right? Because when you walk by sight, you hold everything. Everything that people say against you and they, they misunderstand you, you're just going to hold it. It's going to build up on the inside of you. But when you're walking by faith, you got the breastplate, you got the full armor of God. These things just bounce off of you. You go forward. You can love them and just go forward with God and what He has for you. All right? In the Greek, in the Greek, all of these are verbs and not adjectives. I learned that from John MacArthur years ago, meaning these verses tell us very clearly what kind of agape, what it does, what agape love loves, uh, does, and looks like and not what it's like. This love chapter describes what this kind of love of God does and not what it is. Okay, it's what it does. It's a verb, it's an action. 
Agape love is an action, which is why we've already seen how God, what? Manifested. God demonstrated. God gave, all right, his love towards us, towards lost mankind, also towards backsliders, sinning saints, saints that sin, right? God loves the sinner and not the sin because he wants to save the sinner from his sin. I like that came out. You know, I posted that on Facebook. This actually works towards the saint as well as many saints uh, because many saints don't live up to their sainthood, their holiness, all right? And God is out to help them in getting free from these things, all right? All right. All of this based upon his unconditional love for us even once we do get saved, all right? We need a lot of help after we get saved, man. I'll tell you. Mm. This kind of love is really the only kind that gives us hope when we miss it, when uh, when we miss the mark as his children, like children do in the natural with parents. You know, they're missing it half the time. My goodness, they're growing up, they're learning things, you know, where, what to do, what not. I remember my years of growing up, my dad, oh my goodness, what I did with the lawnmower and stuff like that, mm, not good. Knowing that God still loves me and wants to help me when I miss it really encouraged me to go to him for his help in my time of need, Hebrews 4.16, so that we can keep moving forward and not backwards, all right? But there's still coming a day when all of this will no longer be available, especially for the sinner. That means the dispensation of grace is coming to an end for the sinner and for the saint many ways, but especially for the sinner. Many in the church have brought, in, bought, brought into this whole type of teaching the element of obedience or submissiveness or submission, all right? And it's found in John 14, 23, James 4, 7, just a few verses here, towards God. And there is a place for this, no doubt, all right? There is. Uh, but I like to teach these things in context with intimacy, intimacy between a father and one of his children or one of his sons. Knowing that God still loves us once we mess up should empower, empower and enable us to want to change for the better and not remain in our present condition. That's right. It should. It really should. We need to go from being children of God to being sons of God. I've heard too much teaching on obey and submit to God and he will bless you, all right? Which are really doing which are really doing more harm than good to your walk with God. God will take intimacy. God will take intimacy over obedience any day at any time. Yet, if you can't give God intimacy, he'll take your obedience. He will. He'll take it. But that's not what he's looking for. He's looking for intimacy. He will take your obedience, but this is not what he has in mind back in the Garden of Eden. That's not what he wanted. A lot of people think Adam disobeyed God. He did disobey God, but really, he didn't believe God. When God said, you will, you know, this is going to happen if you eat the tree, he didn't believe him. Because if he had believed him, he wouldn't have eaten from the tree. All right? If he had walked by faith, mm, wow. What would things look like today on this, this planet? Mm, 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 wow. No sin, no crime, no other religions, none of all the stuff that's out there, no sickness, none of that. It would not exist. That's all because of man, right? Through sin and death, right? Through sin, death, right? Uh, through one man. Uh, Romans 5.12, I believe. Intimacy, even in the natural, between a married couple does not always require sexual 
intimacy, but simply being together, doing things together, wanting to be together because you have the same mindsets, and you're just enjoying one another, you know? And this is what God wants above everything else. Jesus walked in intimacy with his Father. He really did. Jesus wasn't there, i got to obey my Father today. No, 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 that's not what he had. That's not what he had with the Father by the Spirit. No, not even near it. And look at all the work that they were able to accomplish. Just read John 5, especially 17, 19 to 20, and then verse 30. Wow. Something I need to mention briefly before I close here is that the love of God is also...